Welcome to HealthCast. I'm your host, Adam Patterson. We are joined today by Dr. Terry Adira, the newly appointed Executive Director at the Veterans Affairs Office of Electronic Health Records Modernization. The VA has been undertaking a comprehensive overhaul of its health record system with the intent of fostering continuity of care and supporting a range of modernization and medical research initiatives. The agency just reorganized its EHR leadership and management structure following an internal review that was released in November 2021. Designed to foster closer collaboration both across VA and with deployment sites, the agency's new EHR management structure is also designed to incorporate feedback from practitioners and on-the-ground staff. Overall, these improvements aim for a smoother, more user-friendly EHR rollout that abides as closely as possible by the existing schedule. Dr. Adiram, welcome to the program. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And I want to start out with an opening question about your background and where you came from. And that is, can you tell us a bit about your career and your research interests and what really brought you to your new role as the VA's new EHRM Executive Director? Yes. Thank you. I have the opportunity to tell people a little bit about myself. I do have a little bit of an unusual background for this particular position, uh, but I think I'm the right person um, at the right time uh, for the EHRM integration program. I am a physician. I've been a physician for 30 years. I practiced up until two years ago, just in time to avoid the pandemic. So I've been in and out of public service and academic clinical medicine. I've held leadership positions in both areas. I've worked in multiple departments. My last uh, gig uh, was at the Department of Defense. I had worked there, I call it my first tour, as the Deputy Assistant Secretary of Defense for Health Services Policy and Oversight as a career civil servant, a chief medical officer-like position, and acted as the principal deputy uh, for my last two years there. Um, I left and went back out to the private sector um, and came back as a Biden appointee um, on uh, January 20th, 2021, and served as the acting assistant secretary. So uh, the senior leader over uh, the military health system, which is a large health, large health system. So the reason why I um, went into detail about that particular part of my uh, background is that, as people may be aware, uh, the Department of Defense is in the middle of their EHR implementation across their health system, which is also a large health system. Not as large as VA, but still a very large, complex health system. And I had the opportunity to work with the program officials um, you know, during a time that uh, DOD was having uh, their challenges after their initial operating capability. And so learned a lot about, um, you know, what to do, where the pitfalls are, where the challenges are. And that's something that I can bring to um, VA. The other piece of this, too, is I've used EHRs. I practiced up until two years ago. I've been through EHR implementation, so I'm a user of EHRs. I understand the frustrations of frontline providers and, um, and also the disruption that an implementation or deployment um, can cause um, at healthcare institutions. So... I think for those reasons, um, I'm the right person at the right time. I know, uh, too, with my background, I'm not only an end user of the EHR, 
but my area of academic interest has been health services researchers. So I am a user of data, and so understand the importance of having accurate, clean data. Um, which EHRs don't always produce. So mm -hmm. I have a great sensitivity to the need uh, for EHRs to provide that accurate information, not just for clinical work, but also to do those important analytics and research in a system like the VA. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's really interesting, too, that you've been involved with the two largest uh, public sector EHR transformations. And ones that it sounds like are, are really looking towards merging into a more unified system for, if memory serves, continuity of care as well. So it's it's really nice that you're bringing that kind of combined expertise. And I want to follow up a bit on, on your remark about the importance of clean data and having a really comprehensive data sharing and, and data usage platform, because I'm wondering, you know, we're clearly seeing an increased focus on EHR deployment across both the public and private healthcare networks. And broadly speaking, what role do electronic health records play in supporting a healthcare network's modernization goals and research projects? What critical foundation does that provide? Those are really, really great questions. But I do want to, um, I hate to say correct something that you said. Um, we are implementing the same EHR as DOD. It is one seamless EHR such that when a, a um, service member gets their care at DOD, that record follows her or him over to VA care. And it incorporates not just care received during military service, but also increasingly more and more care received out in the private sector. Mm -hmm. And that's really important that a healthcare personnel have that complete record of the veteran. I know myself having worked, especially in emergency department setting, I'm a pediatric emergency physician, it's frustrating not having a complete record of a patient, especially a complex patient who may receive care in multiple different places. And I think patients these days really expect that you have uh, that whole complete record. And that's the promise of this particular challenging um, endeavor. So uh, uh, with regard to data, one of the complaints that, uh, that I know end users have is the volume of data and how it's not organized in a way necessarily for patients to be able to use. And I think that's an area where that VA um, will be leading the field in helping to provide that record, not just for the personnel, but also for patients and their caregivers in a way that um, helps them participate in their care. So I don't know if that was exactly what you were asking, but... Um, Oh, that, that absolutely makes a lot of sense. And again, I, I appreciate the clarification. I do not want to mislead our, our listeners either. You, you know, VA and DOD are implementing a, looking for a unified health record system. It, it's two organizations building a unified platform. So absolutely. And clearly implementing a EHR system across, you know, an EHR across such a comprehensive organization, such an expansive organization as VA requires a lot of effort and a lot of technical expertise and a lot of process. And in light of that, it looks like VA published a large-scale review of its EHRM process in November of last year, a.k.a. November 2021. 20, uh, and I'm wondering, what were the key findings within the Lessons Learned report, and how does the VA's new EHRM management structure really help address these? Right. 
So this, this um, VA calls it the comprehensive lessons learned. Um, they did a, a, we did a strategic review, and this was triggered because there were a lot of challenges at the first site um, and uh, didn't go as well as expected. And I think that that happened because people expect that you're going to plug and play, right? You're just going to plug in the system and uh-huh. you're going to be able to use it. And this is me speaking, but I think that um, an area where we're trying to improve that from what we're trying to improve is to help people understand that this is healthcare and business transformation, first Mm -hmm. and foremost, right? This is not an IT implementation. This isn't software development. We bought a commercial off-the-shelf product. And it's really about how do you use that tool to change how you deliver health care as opposed to, um, you know, trying to jam your current way of, of delivering care with this new tool, uh, the old way. Um, and I think it's really about embracing this as that opportunity uh, to improve care. There were a number of findings um, within this strategic review, and I think they centered around management structure being problematic, um, governance not needing strengthening. There were eight, I believe, eight uh, domains under which uh, the Comprehensive Lessons Learned document um, centers around. And so we're really taking all of those to heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I came on board, I identified three priorities for the program. Um, one of them was the improvements in program and governance. Um, and the way we're doing that is we're strengthening our program management side, um, mm-hmm. making sure that we have the right skills and the right people who have experience and training in large-scale, complex project management. Um, and also governance, governance is key. Um, but the Comprehensive Lessons Learned Report identifies uh, the need for a, a VA-wide council called the EHRM Integration Council that reports huh. th- up through the usual governance channels um, in the department. And we've already established that, and we're having our second meeting next week. And the the purpose of that particular governance council is to make those big decisions, cross-departmental decisions that impact the EHR implementation. But we also identified other places where decision-making becomes important. We've established a CIO council in order to align strategies across the department, which is really important for the EHR implementation that we align with uh, the department's um, strategies in that area. And then probably most critically is the decision-making within VHA, because, again, mm-hmm. this is about their healthcare transformation and their business transformation. And there's a number of decisions, not just how you're delivering clinical care, but there are a lot of policy decisions around that. And you, you said it pretty well. This is a very complex, large organizations. Um, I like jokingly tell people that it's like whack-a-mole. Every time we think we're addressing one issue, a bunch of other issues come up, and that, I believe, is due to the complexity um, of this um, project as well as the complexity of the department. So having these very tight, good governance structures 
for decision-making so that we can move ahead in the implementation um, and that we're successful, I believe, uh, is really important. The next priority has to do with um, making sure that MAM grant staff, which is our first site, has a usable electronic health record. And uh-huh. we've really dug in. I've only been here less than two months. And we've already dug into a number of the issues um, and their concerns that they expressed. We've been able to um, address about 91% of the trouble tickets and change uh-huh. requests that they had asked for. So we're doing pretty well there, but we're really drilling down into what were the primary critical, you know, complaints um, and have prioritized them. And we've learned a lot from that that I think is going to be really important. But understand, they're using the system mm-hmm. 100%. Um, so it is usable. We want to make it more usable and make it, you know, whatever enhancements that we can make to help our healthcare personnel use the system better um, will, in the end, help our veterans. So that was an important task. And, in fact, what I, uh, I did was I um, – to, uh, sent a team the first week in February directly to man grand staff to really get that on the ground um, validation of the improvements that we made, but also to hear where um, where things are still rough uh, for our uh, for the uh, facility, and also to communicate back uh, the improvements that we've made. So that was a very successful trip. We learned a lot from that. We're still analyzing a lot of what happened there. And then last but not least, and probably more importantly to the success of, and the future of the program, is we're preparing for future deployments. And there were a number of areas that we shored up in order to ensure that our next site, which is coming up in a little over a month at Walla Walla, um, will be successful. Some of the things that we, we have done, that we've established since I came on board was ensuring that we had a very tight, integrated readiness criteria so that we can assess risk going forward and know where we need to mitigate. We're also managing expectations on the ground with the leadership and staff with regard to what, you know, may not be ready yet. Um, There are some things that we could still go live, but there are some things where um, may not be fully fixed yet. So, I think we're going to be successful there. We have continuous communication there. So those are the three priorities, and that's how we've moved out uh, in my first two months. Yeah, it sounds like you're really creating a strong foundation for going forward and a strong foundation for collaboration across both sites, separate sites, obviously, but across departments within VA. And I want to drill down into that last one a little bit more. And I'm curious, just as a general overview, beyond the office of EHRM, what departments across VA or VHA play a role in supporting healthcare or health records modernization? Who are your biggest partners within the organization? I would say that we have a good number of offices um, within VA that are very important to the success of the program. Perhaps our two biggest partners are OINT and VHA. However, other parts of the department also play a critical role. Our Veterans Experience Office, for example, our Office of Enterprise Integration, our important partners. The Veterans Benefit Administration is really important because the medical information that's collected by the EHR is very important for benefits determination. So I would say um, there's a good number of others as well that are just really critical uh, to helping us uh, succeed. 
Definitely, but it sounds like you're really making progress in bringing these stakeholders together and, and allowing people to better communicate and work and collaborate and taking, you know, maybe maybe areas that didn't connect as nicely and figuring out ways to really bridge that gap. So that's really promising to hear. And I want to step away from the organizational level a little bit and talk about kind of the data, because, again, we touched on that a little bit earlier, about the importance, again, the importance of data and, and data interoperability. And it's clear that VHA has made considerable progress in data interoperability and continuity of care, including continuity of care from the time veterans are the service. And I'm curious, how will the new Cerner system help advance these going forward? What, what improvements uh, will it bring uh, over the course of implementation? Oh, wow. <laughs> this one I need to think about. Well, the thing about uh, the Cerner EHR is that it is a, um, a more modern system, so I think it brings the best practices of the VA and merges it with more the commercial best practices. Uh -huh. So I think that's number one. Number two, it provides us an opportunity to incorporate the data from DOD. Yeah. Uh, which is critical to having that comprehensive record so that you have one place where you have uh, comprehensive data on our veterans. I think, too, um, and, and, and as somebody who's a health services researcher, I mean, you just salivate over uh -huh. that amount of data because you'll have records for literally 20 million individuals. So the the possibilities are are so great um, for helping to advance healthcare of our veterans. So. Oh, that, that's totally fair. And it sounds like, again, the, the interoperability clearly with DOD is essential and foundational and to a point the goal of this project. And it also sounds like bringing in those established best practices and reconciling them with VA's methods and means and needs is really critical as well. So it's really great to hear that those are being brought together at this moment. The other thing that it's going to do, too, that people don't realize is that some of the systems that um, have to interface with the EHR are a little rickety and need some updating and improving. So I think there's that opportunity, too, to make those improvements um, in those areas. Um, some of them have to do with, and I know this has been a struggle for us, but it's really a broader issue, have to do with, that. for example, identity management. Yeah. different policies in, mm -hmm. in the two departments around that. And we rely on uh, a system from DOD called DEERS. Huh. Um, and I'm hoping that DOD says, hey, you know, maybe we need to, you know, do something about that system, make it a more modern system, um, and improve uh, the problems that we're having interfacing with DEERS. Um, and we are working on that uh, with DOD, um, but I think this is an opportunity uh, for those kind of improvements. Yeah, it definitely sounds like it'll make it much easier to reconcile and connect those, which I'm sure will, on an aggregate scale, really facilitate and, and streamline things. Again, it sounds like it'll be a lot less, as you rendered it, a lot less rickety in terms of implementation. And I want to get down to uh, questions about rollout and schedule. And it's clear that the Omicron wave has put, you know, an exceptional amount of demands on every healthcare system in the country, again, including VA, which remains America's largest integrated healthcare network. And it's required a lot of shifting of resources, human capital and personnel to really meet the demands of that, which tends to impact other projects. And I'm curious, how have the demands of the Omicron wave impacted the EHR rollout? And how has VA adjusted its deployment schedule going forward? Right. No, that's a fantastic question. And realize, too, that when VA implemented in Spokane at Man Grandstaff, it was October 2020, in the middle of a pandemic. So imagine the stress of personnel 
during a pandemic uh-huh. and trying to complete all the things that needed to be done on the ground, disrupting care every HR implementations that way. So we, you know, coming on board, I realized we needed to have a great sensitivity to the burdens that we're placing on our healthcare personnel. Mm-hmm. And um, we did an assessment. Um, I was receiving data on Columbus and Walla Walla as well as the other sites going out on the impacts of COVID. Now, understand, I came on board the end of December, so Omicron was starting to peak, and it peaked in January. And what we noticed, this is an example of how Omicron impacted our schedule, um, that we noted that there was a pretty high impact on our Columbus staff absences, you know, because of quarantine from exposure, being out from COVID, and the community was greatly impacted. And because of that, they were supposed to start um, super user training, Uh and that was in person uh, for two weeks. And what we found is that there were, you know, there was a high absentee because of that, and we depend on end-user training on our super users to support the end-user training. So there were second and third order effects that put the um, implementation date, the original date of March 5th, at risk. Yeah. So we worked with the local staff, the business leadership, and BHA leadership in coming to the decision that we postponed that deployment to the end of April because of the impacts of Omicron. Thankfully, all I have to say is that Omicron is now a less of an impact um, on our sites. Um, it wasn't really, uh, didn't really have the same impacts in Walla Walla on the staff. I think, you know, less than 2% uh, of people are out and so it didn't impact the training um, at Walla Walla. So we're, we're going to be good to go at Walla Walla the, um, on March 26th, but that was something that we were monitoring and uh, determining uh, what the risks were with regard to that. So hopefully, fingers crossed that uh, COVID isn't going to, uh, you know, rear its ugly head. We can't guarantee it again with any other uh, waves um, going forward, um, but it is something that we're sensitive to. Absolutely. And it sounds like, or rather, it looks like, thankfully, the Omicron wave is starting to recede some, which is taking a lot of demand off of our, our healthcare networks and our experts and, and, and forcing them to, to make fewer adjustments. So it's good to know that, you know, things are proceeding forward full steam ahead. And I just want to ask, before we wrap things up, is there anything you think our audience should really know about the upcoming EHR deployments or about the EHR program as a whole that you, you'd like to cover before, again, we wrap things up? Sure, and thank you for this opportunity. I, I think communication with all of our stakeholders, the public, you know, we are in public service, and I think uh, with the media uh, is important too. Um, some of the most important things that I, I think I want people to know is that we have really taken a holistic new look at this program and how we can be successful and learning lessons um, from not only VA's original experience, but also mm-hmm. DOD's experience. I, actually, I, I have a saying, I'd much rather learn from somebody else's failures than their own. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> So we've really taken them to heart, and and we fully intend to uh, work very closely with all stakeholders. We intend to be transparent. We are shoring up the program to ensure that we are good stewards of the public's um, funds mm-hmm. and that we're sensitive to not only our healthcare personnel but also our veterans. 
Um, we're doing all that we can to make sure that this rollout, this necessary modernization of our electronic health record um, does not disrupt the excellent care that our veterans receive. Absolutely, and I'm sure they really appreciate that, that critical focus on the core mission and the importance of that. Absolutely. Well, again, uh, Dr. Deere, thank you so much for coming onto the program. Thank you. Much appreciate the opportunity. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.